Um, I'll go kind of quickly, as, as quickly as I can on this, but we've been talking about the church. We've been in the book of Acts on, on uh, Sunday mornings. We started the study. We finished our third lesson this morning, and we made it through three verses. So I don't know how many verses there are, Daner, in the book of Acts, but if we do one verse a Sunday, that could take us a while. But the idea is to learn it, is to commit it to memory. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about the church again. It's kind of the theme of where I believe God has got us. And I think it's a great place to be. Take your Bibles and open to the book of 1 Corinthians, if you will. Book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Perhaps if I can stay closely to my notes, it won't be so long. <clears throat> Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ unto the church uh, of God, which is at Corinth. We're going to talk about the church of God and talk about the city of Corinth tonight. Now let's pray. Jesus, I ask you to meet with us, speak to us through your Holy Spirit as we get into your word. Father, may it be you teaching us and no one else. May I say the words you'd have me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Sometimes you come across these names and these words in the Bible that are, are unfamiliar to us. Uh, Kind of difficult to uh, uh, pronounce. I remember I watched a, uh, oh, it was a, a quartet that was singing, and they would give, supposedly they'd given this guy, this is years ago, they'd given this guy a cassette of what the, how the song went, and it talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, this, but the guy's really a comedian, and uh, he, uh, the guy said, Why, don't you have this? Don't you, can't you say this? And he said, well, the names are so long. He, can't, he said, can't we just shorten them to like Bob and Joe and Sam? <laughs> like that. But, <clears throat> but at any rate, bear with me. Bear with me. The Church of God. What is Church of God? It's a community of people who share the life of God under the governing will of God and cooperate in the work of God. That's the Church of God. The city of Corinth was ignorant of the life of God. It was governed by self-will, talking about the city of Corinth. It was antagonistic, antagonistic to the purposes of God. What's antagonistic? It's showing or feeling active opposition or hostility towards someone or something. So the uh, city of Corinth was antagonistic to the purposes of God. These two entities, the church of God and the city of Corinth, stood in opposition one to another. They're contrast one to another. And they account for the conflict that we read when we come into the book of Corinthians. <clears throat> Corinthians deals with ecclesiology. Ecclesiology, give you another definition. It's the theology as applied to the nature and structure of the church founded by Jesus Christ. A lot of, a lot of definitions we'll leave out founded by Jesus Christ. I put that in because that's what we're talking about, the church founded by Jesus Christ. It's a hermeneutical, 
or another word, I'll explain that, it's knowledge that deals with interpretation. Error, it's, it's uh, uh, a hermeneutical error to assume that certain things said to be, said the church as a whole are, I'm really messing that up. It is a hermeneutical error to assume that certain things said to the church as a whole are only addressed to the unbelieving minority within the church. Paul is talking, basically what I'm saying, is speaking to the Christians. He's speaking to the Christians. <clears throat> Some fall into error, assuming that when he's writing this, he's speaking to non-believers. But Paul will make it plain when he's speaking to non-believers and when he's speaking to believers. So he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to believers. Now, the early church was definitely not the same as the American church today. Some of you might think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But I think our thinking is exactly opposite. You see, <clears throat> typically the larger churches in America can be full of unbelievers. Full of unbelievers. Um, the early church, you had to be committed, committed to go to church. When they were baptized in that, to that body of believers, they were committing themselves for a purpose. I think a lot of times we come and join a church because we know it's right, but we're never really committed to it. We kind of come there when we want to, when we feel like, well, I've got the time to, or it's not inconvenient for me to go to. When you were baptized into those bodies back then, you're committed to that church and what it stood for and what it stood for. They had to be a committed believer to be a part of that group. I would ask you, <clears throat> are you committed to McKeever Baptist Church? Are you committed to McKeever Baptist Church? The city of Corinth, the city of Corinth. What characterized the world marked Corinth? Worldliness, worldliness was Corinthianism, was Corinthianism. That's just the way it was. Uh, in the first century, whenever people described a Corinthian, they were implying that they were lustful. They, that's depraved affections and desires. Uh, the lasciviousness, which is filled or consumed by sexual desire. Uh, and they were characterized by these. That was the city of Corinth. The city was going in the opposite direction as the church of God, of the church of God. And it's interesting to note that local culture always impacts the church. Always impacts the church. No matter where you go in the world, you'll find that local culture has made an impact on the church. Culture always leaves its fingerprints on the Christian. You know what? It should be exactly the opposite. It should be the Christian that leaves an impact on culture and has an impact. Tom Constable said... It seems very often that those communities which excel in the brightness of their shining are also characterized by the darkness of their shadows. I don't know, I think of cultures, cities like San Francisco. Years ago, Alice and I, when we got married, we went and honeymooned two nights in San Francisco, beautiful city. But even at that time, it was really going into a downward spiral. And it has many beautiful things there and yet it also has its darkness of shadows. 
The atmosphere of this epistle is Paul's concept of the responsibilities of church in this city. And as we talk about this, we need to think in terms of our responsibility, McKeero Baptist Church responsibility in the city of Bakersfield, or even at least to the culture of Bakersfield. <clears throat> Second page. Fellowship with God involves both privilege and responsibility. On the one hand, all God's resources are at our disposal. As his children, we share his resources with him. On the other hand, all our resources should be at his disposal too, if we be in fellowship. Do you get that? We have all of his resources, but he should have all of our resources. That way we are in fellowship one with another. The church in any place has a debt to the people who live there to proclaim the gospel to them. Romans 1.14 says this, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to take the gospel to the people of Bakersfield. Paul wrote this letter with the underlying sense of the church's responsibility. The church in Corinth struggled to fulfill this debt. And it was failing in some very important issues. One, they were failing in their readiness. They were not ready to go. They were not ready to take the message. Secondly, they lacked in courage. They lacked in courage. They couldn't stand up and tell people about the Lord. And thirdly, they did not have the conviction to declare the gospel. Some people think that I'm saved and that's good enough. I don't need to deal with anybody else. I don't need to mess with anybody else. And it always, always becomes about them. Always becomes about them. Last Sunday night we spoke about, how, who can remember what we spoke about last Sunday night? We talked about the natural man. We talked about the carnal man. We talked about the spiritual man. The, the Corinthian church was a carnal church. So what am I saying? They were born-again believers, but they were carnal. They were carnal. <clears throat> you know, a Christian will not fulfill their purpose as a child of God unless they deal with their carnality. Why is carnality wrong? It's partially wrong because it keeps us from fulfilling the purpose with which God left us here on this planet. Remember, we're saved to serve. We're saved to serve. There were several failures in this church, Corinth, and there were some secrets to its success. <clears throat> on one hand, we have the, what's called the correctives of carnality, the correctives of carnality, or carnal, and so you have to Go back into that and find out what's going on in your life that you're a carnal and you start to rebuild. And then you have what's called the construction of spirituality, where you're building upon a firm foundation. And Paul wants to transform the carnality of the Christians living there into a strong spiritual force. You need to ask yourself tonight, am I carnal? Am I a spiritual Christian? Am I carnal or am I a spiritual Christian? The causes of failure, Paul identifies. The spirit had invaded the spirit of the city. Get this. The spirit of the city had invaded the church like a virus. 
Uh, we're dealing with a virus now, aren't we? The world is dealing with a virus. Dealing with a virus. Look at the impact of this virus. How it's affected everyone. How it's impacted everyone. It's, it's, it's causing havoc. Similarly, the spirit of this city, the lost, had invaded the church like a virus. That's why we need to be careful when we start to see some things that seem to be, have a real draw for people to come into church, we need to make sure they're being drawn in for the right reason. You don't draw somebody in for the wrong reason or by the wrong method. <clears throat> Corinth was a pleasure haven for people all over the Mediterranean world. And every evil thing in the church to which Paul pointed was prevalent in the city because the spirit of the city had invaded the church, making it a carnal church. We don't want to be a carnal church. We want to be a spiritual church. We want to be a spiritual church. There was intellectual freedom, intellectual freedom. Um, the phrase Corinthian words, which was used by extra biblical writers, is simply saying that it's not written or recorded in the canon of scripture, okay? It's not recorded there, but other writers said Corinthian words. Uh, <clears throat> when a person prided himself with a great or or oratory, he was described as using Corinthian words. It was a glorification of human wisdom, intellectual freedom, intellectual freedom, uh, intellectual restlessness stirred in the church as well as in the city. The believers sampled Christian teaching as the general populace dabbled in philosophical argumentation. Uh, it, secondly, moral laxity prevailed in the church. Moral laxity. Intellectual permissiveness led to the lowering of the moral standard. When the people viewed any idea as legitimate, there are few moral absolutes. When everybody can bring in their own ideas, well, I think it should be this way. I think we should do it this way. How about this? Uh, the worship of Aphrodite on the hill behind the city was extremely immoral. Extremely immoral, but the unsaved citizens viewed the, this worship as perfectly acceptable. Perfectly acceptable. Regrettably, some Christians in the church were viewing some morals the same way. We have to watch what we allow to be our moral Thermometer. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as not so much as named among the Gentiles. And we face a similar spirit today. We face a similar spirit today. We have, uh, we wink at sin. We think, uh, oh, I don't want to deal with that and face that. But we face a similar spirit today in our churches. If you want to believe that, that's fine. If it works for you, I guess go with it. But as a child of God, we shouldn't do it. And then personal selfishness. Personal selfishness. In the city, everyone did that was right in his own eyes. It takes you back to Judges chapter 21, 25. It says, in those days was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If you're your own king, you will do what is right in your own eyes. I guess you'd have to ask yourself, is Jesus your king 
Is Jesus your king? Today we have multitudes declaring that they can do what they want. That, they means, that means they love everybody. And yet they are burning down businesses and destroying reputations just because everyone isn't following their thought. Isn't that what's going on today? This laxity certainly has developed a personal selfishness in today's world. In today's world. One of the evidences of this attitude in the church was the Christian's attitude in their meetings. They were not sharing food with one another. Hmm. Become personally selfish. They were also interpret, uh, interrupting speakers rather than waiting for them to finish what they had to say. Does that sound familiar in today's, today's uh, world? There was chaos going on because of their selfish behavior. And this culture was impacting the church when it should be that the church was impacting the culture. These are only some of the symptoms of the deeper problem. The church had failed to realize its uniqueness. People, there, there's no other organization on the world, in the world, other than the church that's doing the business for God. That's doing God's business. They had not grasped and retained some of the central truths the apostles had taught them that identified the essence of their Christianity. Keep in mind, this is probably only 20 years since the Lord rose from the grave. How quickly, how quickly we can allow our city or our culture to change us when it should be the other way around. They had forgotten the central importance of the message of the cross. And folks, this is not a subject that is, that is subject to debate. The importance of the cross is everything to us. Without it, we are nowhere. We need to unite around this message. They'd also forgotten the central importance of the power of the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. We talked about that this morning, the proofs of the resurrection and how that Jesus remained on the earth for 40 days simply as he, so he could have many infallible proofs that he had risen from the dead. They'd forgotten the central importance of the resurrection. We need to understand that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in Christians to enable us to live morally pure lives. Some of us fight and struggle with this. In some form or fashion, I think we all do. But Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. The same power that raised Christ from the dead will enable you to live a pure life. One of the most outstanding marks of a Christian should be our purity. Should be our purity. Jesus was pure. And because he was pure, we can be pure. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. Oh no, none of us are. But we can do it because of the power of God. The Corinthians had also forgotten that Christ's command that we love one another. When people become selfish, we get very busy and we forget how to love people. We get, forget how to love people. You know, uh, when you get married, 
and you, you, that's great and wonderful, and you get married, and you find out all of a sudden, wait a minute, this is great, but this is work. This is commitment. I'm going to love this person on purpose. And when you love others outside of your immediate family, it takes a commitment on your part. It takes effort. It takes time. But you do it, why? Because you love them. And why do we do that? Because he first loved us. That's why we should do it. <clears throat> One of the central revelations of this epistle then is that the church fails to fulfill her function in her city or in her culture in which a group of Christians find themselves when the spirit of the city invades the church. Has the spirit of the city invaded our church? The church fails when she forgets that God wants her to be unique. We are peculiar people. Some of us, Rick, are more peculiar than others. But we are peculiar people. <clears throat> when she adopts the ideas and activities of the environment around her rather than those revealed in God's word, she's going to fail. The church will fail. The church will fail. Paul constantly appealed to the reader to be what they were in reality. What they were in reality. Okay? We need to behave as we are. We were constantly reminded in my family, and I passed it along to my children as well. When you go out, remember whose child you are. Remember what church you represent. Remember what God you represent. We are to behave as we are. The problem is we forget who we are. Or perhaps we don't know who we are. Or maybe it's because we choose to not to be who we are. <clears throat> so the apostles brought the believers back to remember that you are different. And we are to be different. We are to be different. Folks, do not expect righteousness out of the unrighteous. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and, your, and in your spirit, which are God's. The next chapter, verse 23, says you are bought with a price. Be not the servants of men. Don't allow the influence of the city or the spirit of the city or the culture impact you to be the way they are. We are not the people we were. At least we shouldn't be. We're called saints. We're called saints. Verse 2, it says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, unto them with, uh, that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. We are saints. We need to remember that and act accordingly. <clears throat> we don't need to catch the spirit of this age. There are churches all over America that are bursting at the seams that have caught the spirits of this age. <clears throat> You go up there and it's like a rock concert, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you call it. Music is blurring. Well, you know, I have a wide spectrum of music I listen to. Uh, <clears throat> I grew up on bluegrass. I love bluegrass. I love the banjo. I love the guitar. I love the mandolin. I love the fiddle. <laughs> but I also like the, uh, what do they call it, the uh, orchestra music, orchestration, Mozart. Beethoven, that sort of thing, some pieces. I have a wide spectrum of music. <clears throat> but you start bringing people in, drawn in by their emotions, 
not the way to do it. They caught the spirit of their age, of this age. We don't need to catch the spirit of this age. We need to correct the spirit of this age. That's where we lie. See, we're at a we're in war. We're at a battle. And we're not to allow them to influence us, but we are to influence them. <clears throat> we need to correct the spirit of our age. And when the church catches the spirit of the age, it catches a disease. It becomes anemic. It becomes weak. It becomes sickly. That's kind of the negative side so far, right? The secrets of success is a second major revelation in this epistle. <clears throat> the church must realize what it is to fulfill its function in the city. We must appreciate in our life. We must appreciate our life in Christ so you realize who you are. You realize who you are. This is the one great benefits of reading scripture, especially in New Testament documents. documents. We are a different people. We're unique. The life of the church is a life of an organism. Life of an organism. Paul develops this in chapter 12 of this book. The church of God, the church has one God, and not many as seen in Corinth. Not many as seen in Corinth. <clears throat> the law of the church must be the law of love. The law of love. It's no wonder that the love chapter... 1 Corinthians 13 is found in this book. Why? Because the church had forgotten how to love. <clears throat> Excuse me. The apostle was having to remind them. The spirit of the city had come in and influenced the church. And they'd forgotten how to love. The power of the church is a resurrection, a resurrected life of Christ. That's chapter 15. And again, we talked about that this morning. <clears throat> by the infallible, many infallible truths as found in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. We must fulfill our function by invading the city. It's attack mode. It's attack mode. Rather than allowing it to invade us, we must invade it and be proactive. How do you do this? Well, one, you do it by proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus as Lord. He's the only Lord. And he's, we went through the proofs of his resurrection this morning. He's the only one that is alive today of those that claim to be great religious leader. We rebuke immorality of the city. It used to be folks that evangelists would come into downtown and they'd preach so hard. Next thing you know, liquor, uh, the, uh, the beer joints and the bars closed down or maybe burned down they would go away they would go away because they were mute they rebuked the immorality of the city we've forgotten how to preach hard against sin we major on a lot of things we might major on how the sin of homosexuality certainly the the sin of killing babies and that sort of thing but we need to preach on sin everyday sin everyday sin <clears throat> not just mention it in passing, but preach hard on it. It's not hate of the individuals, it's a hate of that sin, as God hates it. We need to counteract the selfishness of our culture by practicing genuine love. That's the way you counteract selfishness, you show love, you display love. 
The church fails when it conforms to the rules of conduct and the methods and the manners of the culture in which it finds. We talk about this sometimes uh, when something comes into our life, a situation, uh, and how that we are not to allow that experience or that situation cause us to react and respond a certain way, in a bad way. Similarly, with the spirit of the city, we are to, when it comes to selfishness, we are to display love. We're to display love. This epistle calls for the church in every age to recognize the responsibility to its city. So we need to realize we have a responsibility, not just to come here and assemble on a Sunday morning, or maybe a Sunday night, or maybe a Wednesday night, but perhaps when we go out, put out some door hangers, perhaps when we have an opportunity to be a witness and testimony, we're trying to bring people into this. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. The spirit of the city is never going to find its way into Christianity, how to become a child of God. It will never direct them now. That they will never direct them that way, but we are too. <clears throat> Unfortunately, many churches believe they exist to preserve the life of its members. I think a lot of times we seem to fight just to get people to come to church. Just to get to come to church. Are we going to get to see you tonight? Hope we get to see you tonight. You going to be able to make it tonight? You know, folks, I trust you that if you're not able to be here, you're not able to be here because you're providentially hindered. Heaven forbid, though, we lay out. Heaven forbid we lay out. We need to take our part seriously. You say, oh, I'm just, a, I'm just one member of many. No, I believe with all my heart that God fitly joins this body together and that he has a purpose for you. And a lot of times you don't realize, but when you're not here, how it impacts others. How it impacts others. I watched this morning as person after person came in through those doors. And it just blessed my heart. Blessed my heart to see people coming in. Praise God. Blessed my heart when I saw you guys coming in tonight. It's an encouragement to me. See, this book of Corinthians, we talked about it a while back, a few weeks ago. But this is also a call of separation, a call to separation, a call to separation, separation from the world, separation from its immorality, separation from its selfish living, separation to the church, separation to God, separation to live a pure life, separation to display love, display love. We can conclude some things here. The influence of the church is the influence of its individual member. You know, you've heard the soul saying that no chain is stronger than its weakest link. It's only as strong as its weakest link. Some chains are very strong, but then you get that one link, and guess what? It, the ch chain fails. <clears throat> What's your impact to this church? What do you bring to this church spiritually? There should be a conflict between the church and the city. I don't mean in a bad way where we're going down and picketing them or anything like that. I'm simply saying that we stand and present the pure gospel of Christ. We preach hard against sin and we preach the love of God. And that's who we should be. 
The message of the church must always be the cross and it must always be the resurrection. There's a lot of things we can be involved in, but it has to always come back and center around it right there. The cross and the resurrection. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's the hope. We must preach the cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for tonight and uh, just a few minutes in the book of 1 Corinthians and looking at the spirit of the city uh, versus what the spirit of the church should be. God, I pray that we would take seriously our role as we seek to serve you as McKeever Baptist members. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just a couple of